What's up all you ghouls and goblins out there and welcome back to the Nerdpool Podcast. As always, I am your host, the fat fool that loves Deadpool. Yes, it's me. Yes, it's me. It's a J-M-I-E. Your 31st favorite podcast host and as always, your Sherpa down the road of the spooky and the supernatural. Happy Halloween. We did it. Halloween pool month is concluding now. Um, I love this holiday. I love this time of the year. I know you do. You know, getting up to... Getting to be something you're not. You get to dress up. You can be whoever you want to be. You can do it. Most people don't judge you. You get candy. You get to spend time with people. It's just a great, great time. I hate to see it come to the end. But we've got multiple holidays coming. And um, it was fun this year. Um, And we're going to go out with uh, the last episode for Halloween Pool Month. I'm going to be doing two different things. First off, I'm going to be giving you a little review of the new Halloween Kills movie, um, starring Jamie Lee Curtis and the sequel to the Halloween movie from two years ago. And I'm also going to be telling you about five of my favorite underrated slash really overlooked, in my opinion, slasher films. Um, some of them I've already spoke about, but I just wanted to, you know, kind of tell you about five that maybe you should take a look at, or maybe, you know, you might agree with me, but just ones that, that don't really come to mind. Uh, right now, we're going to jump right into it. Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills was supposed to come out last year. Uh, COVID and the pandemic kind of killed all that. Um, it is the sequel to the 2018 uh, Halloween movie, which is a sequel to Halloween, the original, but has the same name, Halloween. It's not connected to the Rob Zombie Halloween 1 and 2. This is how, so technically, that one would have been Halloween 2 without. Because it didn't acknowledge Halloween 2 from the previous series. It cut all that out. This was That was a direct sequel to the first one. So this would be Halloween 3 and not Season of the Witch Halloween 3. It would be the third in that series. Not counting that. And it's really confusing. Um, which kind of sums up what this movie is. Now look, let me get this off the bat. I kind of enjoyed this film. Why? First off, you guys know... I try to find the good in everything. There's bad movies. There's terrible movies. There's movies out there that suck that I watch that I like. And your guys are like, how do you like this movie? I try to find something I like about movies. With this, you know what you're getting. You're going in. You're getting a Halloween movie. With They've done pretty much everything you can do with Halloween story-wise. Um, there, So you're not going to get a, a deep, involved, in-depth story when it comes to these slasher films. And especially when you continue a series that has been going since the 70s. And they've rebooted it and they've remade it and redone it and sequeled it and, and and bastardized it or whatever. So when I when this film comes out, it's came out in theaters and it was also streaming on Peacock, if you had Peacock. Um, it made $50 million. Its opening weekend was the number one film. Just proving that nobody will wants to have peacock it's just it's just how it is sorry nbc sorry universal whoever it is they just most people don't don't want peacock um this revolves again from the the it picks up where the first one uh halloween left off from two years ago it picks up when they set the house on fire and michael myers in the is in the house and it's burning um and Lori, her daughter and her uh, granddaughter or driving away we see the firemen on their way to put the fire out because i guess nobody thought about the fact that hey you know fire is going to bring firemen there was a big controversy about this because there's a scene the scene he kills all kinds of firemen 
At one point, you know, they try to pull the man, or they're trying to get him out because they see somebody down there. He pulls that. He pulls the fireman down through the roof or the floor into the basement. We don't see Michael Myers get out. We don't know how he gets out. All I know is he has a pickaxe, and as he goes, the firemen, not knowing what's going on, decide we've got to kill this motherfucker. That's basically how this goes, and he proceeds to slaughter all of them. This film has moments where I enjoyed it. Uh, it has acknowledgments of people from the original series. Uh, Tommy Doyle when, um, is back as the, you know, the kid that Laurie Strode was babysitting. Uh, we see the nurse from the original Halloween where Michael Myers broke out and stole her car, which they pay an homage to that with his handprint hitting a glass later on when she's in a car. Um, we see an homage to Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, when at one point Michael Myers has killed three people. They're on a playground, and I see a pumpkin mask. You see a skull mask, and I'm like, hey, that's like Season of the Witch. And then they find another woman hanging, and you see the witch, and I'm like, they did it. They did. So they do homages to these other films that aren't part of the series considering this one. This film, like I said, the kills are good in this. Like any slasher film, the kills are what's really going to drive it, what you're going for. You're wanting the scares. You're wanting the, the murderous rampage. And they don't skimp on that. Like, it's very violent. It's it's very in-depth with the killing. Uh, Michael Myers is just a killing machine. The story of this makes no sense. Like, we're just going to get this out of the way right now. The whole th premise of this is Michael Myers wanting to go home. Lori and her family are in a hospital. Uh, Tommy Doyle trying to get the town together because Mike, they've just realized that Michael Myers has been killing again. And the theme of this movie is evil dies tonight. They chant it. They say it all the time. Evil dies tonight. My biggest issue I have with this entire film is the dialogue. Nobody in real life talks the way that these people do in this film. The interactions with each other, the when they're speaking about Michael, when they're speaking about the past, when they're speaking about what they're going to do, you would not have this conversation. I've never been in that kind of life or death thing, you know, where there's a monster on the loose that's just killing an entire town, but I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't speak the way they speak. They, they enunciate stuff, they use words that are just not there, their speeches are just why nobody's going to make these speeches and they keep chanting evil dies tonight now the whole thing is they're trying to show that uh, he's, he's turned the town evil he's infected the town to the point to where they're willing to do whatever to kill him two mental uh, patients escaped that night Michael Myers and another one which we never see his name of we see their pictures put on a television we see the other guy's face Michael comes up he's blurred um, but everybody has seen his face when they're at the hospital the other mental patient that escaped goes to the hospital banging on the window saying help i need help well this entire group that knows what michael myers looks like the people that saw him on tv knew him when he was a kid whatever know what he looks like he's sick he's almost seven foot tall you know he's a big dude skinny this dude looks like the penguin from batman returns he's short he's fat he's balding and they keep saying it's Michael. They're chasing him through the hospital. They're calling, you know, evil dies tonight. They're chanting that. They're chanting that. People are saying, this is not Michael. This is not Michael. This is not Michael. Evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. So much that this guy, instead of being torn apart by a mob, jumps out of a window and kills himself. And then the entire town is like, that's not Michael. Yeah, that's what people inside were telling you. That's what you could look at him and told. 
And yet, it's supposed to give you that moment of them realizing, oh, we've become the, the monster that we are, we are trying to destroy. Um, we see that uh, in this whole thing, Michael Myers isn't after Lori Strode. Like, her daughter keeps saying that Michael's going to come for Lori at the hospital. Michael's going to come for Lori in the hospital. And yet, we find out that he's not after Lori. He was never after Lori. It's because Lori lived in his house. He just wants to go home. He wants to stare out his window. For some reason, Michael Myers just likes to stare out the window. That's his whole thing. He killed his sister to stare out the window. So Lori Strode has no bearing on Michael Myers, yet he's been chasing her this, you know, for the past when he did it, and then in the first one he did it, but it's because he wanted to go home. So basically, the entire plot of Halloween that you set forth yourself, you just killed in this film. By saying that he doesn't give a sh crap about Lori. He doesn't care about Lori. It was always about just his house. Um, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Why would you kill that? Because in the next one, you're supposed to have this epic showdown with him and Lori. Like, that's what this is building to. Is this epic, you know, battle of the quote-unquote titans as Michael Myers takes on Lori Strode. You just killed that. So now you're going to have this battle of the titans between someone who wants to kill Michael because he terrorized her and has been for 40 years and someone who doesn't give a damn about Laurie Strode. You took all the suspense out of that. Um, the One of the ending scenes, and I'm going to spoil this here, and they do this multiple times where they, they beat Michael Myers down. They show up, the townspeople there, they've got weapons, you know, nobody has a gun for some reason, they got they got hockey sticks and they got an iron, a woman's got an iron, they beat up Michael Myers, he puts the mask on, and they're just beating him up, they beat him down, and Lori's daughter stabs him, and they all walk away, so evil dies tonight, turns into evil is going to be slightly inconvenienced for a few moments, because they never want to make sure he's dead, they beat the hell out of him, and then walk away. They stab him repeatedly. And then walk away. No one ever checks that he's dead. So he ends up killing Laurie Stroh's daughter. As she's looking through the window in his room. We see backstories with the police officers. That didn't line up. We do see a Donald Pleasant. Um, cameo. With a face cover. That's really well done. But other than that. I mean like I said. The kills are really good in this movie. You know. For what you're going in for a slasher film, that's what you're going to enjoy. The story doesn't make any sense. They kind of kill any momentum for the future stories. And again, the dialogue is just not there. The dialogue makes no sense. The dialogue is not the way people would talk. And it just took me out of this film. Okay? I love slasher films. I love the Halloween franchises. But there's certain ones that just they kill the momentum. And I think this could have been the one that while it's making money for what it is, it's kind of killed the momentum going forward because where do you go from here if he doesn't care about Lori if it's just about the house Lori doesn't want the house you know she's not going to want to move back into it so what what's the showdown here what's it for you know if you let him have the house does he stop killing like I don't I, the, the whole plot of that is just dumb so if you if you just want to see kills if you want to see Michael Myers just run through people and I mean just murder people in violent ways yeah, I mean, you can watch this. It's a decent enough slasher film in that aspect, in that genre. But if you're looking for any kind of good plot or dialogue or story building or any detail that's connecting the franchise or making it, pushing it forward, 
this movie just it's nothing. It's just a, it's just a filler piece and kind of kills what's to come later on in the franchise. You know, slasher films are built on this building on a story. Even if the story isn't great, it still builds on a previous legacy or a previous uh, iteration. This one just does that, but then kills the, all the momentum going forward to where I don't know where they go. So that's all I can say about Halloween Kills. It's not the greatest one. It's kind of a mid in the franchise. I, again, the chronological order in which they're doing this is confusing uh, because this is Halloween 3, but it's not Halloween 3. It's Halloween 2, but there's like 10 movies in the franchises, not counting the Rob Zombie remakes and the reboots. So again, if you want to see some uh, violent kills, if you want to see just a, a stalker aspect and in that aspect, then watch it. If you're looking for anything... Of substance, this really is just not going to be there for you. Now, on that note, again, I love slasher films. Slasher films are some of the biggest uh, money makers in horror. They're they're easy, you know. They're, all you need is an antagonist, a protagonist. You need a psychopath. You need a cool weapon to kill with, and you need a group. Uh, usually, it's teenagers or young adults that are being terrorized for what a reason and a small backstory for. The killer. Um, so I'm going to talk about five slasher films you might not have known, you might not have seen, but I think are, are just a little bit underrated. They're ones I enjoy. Um, some of them aren't considered, you know, great, but they're just, to me, they were entertaining. The first one I'm talking about is going to be 2008's uh, Midnight Movie. Now, this one, I don't know if it got released in theaters. I knew this because of the bargain bin at Walmart. It was one of the movies, you know, you put in there, they're the bunch up for five bucks. I saw this. The cover of the DVD looked cool. The premise is kind of cool. There's a slasher flick um, from the early days that is going to be shown at a you know a small rundown theater at a town, and it has a lore that every time this is shown, uh, people end up dying. That people really died on the making of it. Like you know, it just has this lair. Now the killer in this has like a, a skull type mask that's broken. He's wearing overalls, kind of like you know, he looks like a Kind of like a run-of-the-mill uh, slasher villain would look like. But his weapon is different as it's a handheld kind of drill. Um, it's a spiral blade that goes into a point like a drill. So when he punches or stabs you and twists it, it cuts into you, grips, and pulls out. It's, it's hard to explain. Um, Google Midnight Movie if you want to see this because it's really difficult to explain the weapon. But it was a cool, different aspect. It's something I'd never seen before in a movie and while this doesn't have a lot of uh, big names in it it's the acting is okay the premise of the story is really well done the effects are well done and it was just entertaining to me it was well worth the five bucks I spent on it like it would have been worth more than that but I enjoyed it and it's made its rotation in slasher films because I don't I didn't know a lot of people most people I asked don't know about this usually it's the more hardcore uh, horror fans are the ones that know about it and when you ask them about it they'll use everybody I've known that has seen it said it's a good movie anyone that I've talked into seeing it said it's a decent movie it's not the best but for a for what I think might be a straight to DVD I, again I don't know if it had a theatrical release or not it, it's worth it to watch right now it is on Amazon Prime you could watch it um, I don't think you'll be disappointed in it because again it's got all the aspects of a slasher film you've got it's it's gory without being overly top gory, and the story is, while can be cliche, cliche at times, it's also fun, and it's, you know, a little bit different take on what a traditional slasher film would be. 
The next film I'm going to be talking about is one that I really like, and I know a lot of people like the second one better than the first one. I really like this one. It's 2003's Wrong Turn. Wrong Turn spawned multiple, I want to say there's eight in the series, seven or eight in the series, and they did a reboot recently, which is just not as good as the original. It shot better, but the story to me just didn't have that Wrong Turn feel to it. This is about um, a group of friends that are going to go hiking and camping in the woods as they go through the Appalachian Mountains. Um, three homicidal inbred hillbillies actually, you know, disable the vehicle and take and try to kill them to eat them. Uh, this is where you get, I talked about it a little bit in a past uh, episode when I was talking about underrated uh, horror movie villains. And if this has three fingers, sawtooth, and one eye. Those are the, the, um, the killers in this that are stalking these friends. These people go and they find the house in the woods to basically try to get help, get a phone, and that's when they discover that there's um, people that have been murdered. There's, they're chopping people up to eat them, cook them, basically live off them. Um, the biggest star in this is Eliza Dushku. This is when she was at the height of her popularity, I guess you could say, as far as being a a big name actress at the time. Nothing against her now, but you know, this is when she was she was a hot commodity to have. In your movie, uh, this film, like I said, a lot of people like the second one better. The second one's a little bit more over the top. Uh, this one's kind of a paint-by-numbers slasher film set in the Appalachian Mountains. It's got some cool effects. The villains, you know, the, the killers look really cool. They look, they look just creepy. They look inbred. They look deformed and psychotic. Um, the story is kind of, you know, again, it's cliched. It's paint-by-numbers. But it always entertained me. And to this day, I still watch it. It's still one of my favorite slasher films. And I know that the series, while had some good sequels, they kind of tapered off at the end. And it, a lot of people kind of take that and put that with this film and kind of put it as a whole to kind of bring the whole series down. But it's a really enjoyable film. It's got suspenseful parts in it. Um, the characters in it are all different, yet they have their um, chemistry to work together where they must come together to try to outwit the simpleton uh, inbred hillbillies that are chasing and stalking them and wanting to eat them. Again, the 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 slashers in this Sawtooth, One Eye, and Three Three Fingers, the the brothers look just sick. They look great. The makeup effects are great on this. It's got a theatrical release. It did decent. Again, it's did enough to spawn sequels that I went straight to DVD. A lot of people, again, like I said, prefer the second one because of. It dips a little bit more into it, but this one has a place in my heart, and I really, I, I really like this rotation in it. And I, I think, as far as slasher films, especially modern day slasher films, even though this is almost 20 years old, as far as modern day slasher films go, this is one of the ones that kind of stick out to me, and one that I kind of watch and still enjoy to this day. Uh, the next one I'm going to be talking about is one that I've actually did an entire podcast episode on, and it's Santa Slay. Now. This has a good mixture of comedy and horror. It's more of a dark comedy, I guess you could say. Um, we've seen Silent uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, and uh, Mrs. Claus. There's Santa with an axe. There's multiple slasher films built around Santa Claus or someone dressed as Santa Claus being a killer set at Christmas. This one actually takes Santa Claus being the killer. Santa Claus, again, is, a, is the spawn of Satan. He lost a game of curling to an angel that if he, when he lost, he had to be good for thousands of year, for a thousand years, basically turning Christmas and becoming a Christ mass 
they explain the whole backstory of him having to be good and bring the kids, uh, you know, presents. And this is the thousand years up, so now Santa can be his evil self. And he goes around this town of hell, and that's the name of the town, just killing people and looking for the the angel who's now on earth that sentenced him to that thousand years of being good and being, you know, loved by kids and people alike. This film is off the wall batshit crazy. Uh, Bill Goldberg playing uh, Santa Claus. He's not that great of an actor, but he plays this well because he doesn't have to do much. Like I said, there's a lot of comedic elements to this. There's a lot of comedy behind it. And I think that's one thing I like about it. It's not a traditional, you know, really scary horror film. It's a, um, it's, it's a dark comedy that has good horror aspects to it. And again, Santa being the slasher and being the villain in this, actually being Santa Claus and not a guy dressed as Santa, it's fun. It, it's funny. It's, it's, the kills are over the top. And it has a good little cast. The story isn't fantastic the opening scene sets the tone when you just see the opening scene the opening five minutes sets the entire tone for the film and you know what it is if you want to see a full review go back to uh, santa slay on the go um and you can listen to the full review there but i think this is one film that if you're a fan of dark comedies especially you'll you'll re- you'd really enjoy it talking about dark comedies is the next one we're talking about and it's starring uh, kane hotter who we all know from you know the friday the 13th franchise he's played jason Voorhees more than anybody um, a lot, of, every, most people know about this. It's the Hatchet series, and mainly Hatchet One, the first one. I mean, you had, you had, you know, he was in it. Uh, Tony Todd was in it. Robert England's in it. You have a who's who of horror icons making cameos in it. This is based around a swamp tour of a place in Louisiana and the Bayou, where a local legend of a disfigured. A kid living with his dad was one night the kids take firecrackers and fireworks throwing it at the house one Halloween trying to get the, uh, Victor Crowley to come out to get a look at him. They accidentally set the house on fire. The dad shows up. He grabs a hatchet to hit the door down. Victor's face with against it hits his son in the face with a hatchet killing him and leaving a scar. Now his ghost uh, entity zombie whatever you want to say has come back. And now it kills people in the bayou around his house, screaming for his daddy, just looking for his dad. The film was made by Adam Green, who's a who's one of my favorite horror directors because he goes over the top with the kills, and yet he can get comedic elements. This has a lot of comedy in it. And that's one thing I like about this. This doesn't take itself too seriously. He's rebooting a slasher series because a lot of we haven't had a lot of good slashers up until this point. When this was made in uh, 2006 there hadn't been a lot of good slashers or even a lot of slashers in general that that was kind of dying off and he wanted to reboot it and put a killer out there that was up there with Jason up there with Freddy that would be around you know that he could go back to multiple times and it would be a it could be a a quote-unquote horror icon or a new lexicon when you think about horror icon Victor Crowley the makeup work again in this looked amazing this deformed um backwoods hillbilly killing people in the most gruesome over-the-top ways blood spurting guts being pulled out i mean uh sand electric sanders to the face ripping people's heads off it's it's oh so over the top it's so batshit crazy just with the story the the characters in it all have their own um 
their own eccentricities that seem to work in this. Like the ones, whether it's the the guy who's running the tour, who's not really supposed to be running the tour, he doesn't have a license to do it, um, who's speaking with a, with a deep Louisiana accent, yet he's not from there, and he basically has a Chinese accent, um, to Tony Todd being another you know, troop guy, a tour leader who doesn't want people using his to the people that take the tour. It's just, it's, it's fun. It's, it's spooky. It has spooky elements. And again, it's over the top kills that work so well in this so much so that it spawned, you know, it's four movies deep now. And they even got Daniel Harris to be in the, uh, second and third one after this, that kind of rounded it out. Brian Quinn from the practical jokers is in the fourth one. It's just it's just a good series, and this one especially kicked it off. So, I if you haven't seen the Hatchet series, start with one. You'll get the aspect of it. They give you the background of Victor Crowley and what all it entails with him. And I really think that you'll enjoy it. And you could actually, you know, I think you could put this into your rotation for slasher films because as far as new slasher films go, this did a good job of mixing the slasher films with horror and even quote-unquote gore porn with the over-the-top kills, which is what a lot of the slasher films in the early days did. They just, they took the kills and made them so crazy and over-the-top to kind of make up for lack of acting, lack of star power, or even lack of just script. Adam Green does a great job here, and Hatchet is just, it, it's a very underrated slasher film to me, and I think people could enjoy it. Now, the next one is not a horror, I mean, it's not a dark comedy. This is a straight-up, in-your-face horror movie. Uh, with a lot of goriness to it and does the same thing that Hatchet did. It's trying to make a new um, horror icon. And this is 2016's Terrifier with Art the Clown. Now, Art the Clown's also in All, All Hallows Eve where he originally came from. He got his own movie here in Terrifier. They're making a Terrifier too. All it is is a clown is stalking three women in an old apartment building on Halloween night and killing them. That's all it is. It's simple. It's, you know, in your face. It's there. The It's got brutal kills. I mean, brutal kills. The killer, the clown, it's not like a it-type clown. He looks super creepy. He looks like he's supposed to be scary. He's not supposed to be a funny, you know, let me draw you in. Like, you look at him, you go, hold, back up, you know, and he doesn't talk. That's the probably the scariest part about him is he doesn't talk. He doesn't say anything. So Art the Clown is this. So the whole time you don't know what he wants. You don't know what's going on. You know, it's like Jason. It's like um, Michael Myers. It's that aspect of we have no clue what he's after. We don't know why he's doing it. He's just doing it. And he's doing it and enjoying it. And even though he's quote unquote, you know, they think they killed him at the end of it. Spoiler alert. He he doesn't die, you know, because they're going to do multiple ones of this. Um, it, it was a big Halloween costume on the horror circuit. It took the horror film, uh, world by storm simply because we hadn't seen anything like it in a while. You know, again, somebody trying to make a new horror icon or a new horror figure and doing it and pulling it off. Well, if you like over the top kills, this is it. I mean, they cut a woman in half there, you know, there's blood everywhere. There's dismembered body parts. Like it gets, very gory, but it's done around a film that's that works for what it's trying to be. You know, it's not trying to be Citizen Kane. It's trying to be a gory slasher film. It's trying to be an intense slasher film, and that's what it is. Um, Art the Clown is 
someone I think they can build other movies around. They can keep making these movies. And, you know, for years to come, he could be another Michael Myers to where there's eight, nine, ten different films with him in it. All of them are roughly the same, but they just kind of keep adding different aspects to what he is, giving a little bit of backstory maybe, or whatever, you know. The film uh, was received well by horror fans, critics, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, most horror films aren't received well by critics, and it's the fans that bring it. And Terrifier is a cult film that has caught on as it's hit streaming and so forth. Um, I remember the only the reason I watched it the first time is seeing Art the Clown. I saw that face. I was like, wow, that looks scary. Let me watch it. Read the synopsis of what the film is, which is basically what I told you before. And I watched it, and I was like, wow, this is actually pretty good. So... You know, I've I've watched it a few times. Again, All Hallows Eve is where I first seen him. That's kind of where you first. I mean, that's where you first get where he first showed up. I didn't see that until after I saw Terrifier, and that's kind of what built him up and, and make, gives you your first glimpse at him. So, uh, Art the Clown is, you know, one that's brought into the horror lexicon now. And Terrifier is one of those slasher films that I think is underrated. And if you've never seen it and you're a fan of gory horror movies. You you know with a iconic um, or can be iconic character behind it, then that's what it is. These aren't you know Oscar award winning films. None of these films I did are Oscar award winning or even you know on that level. Sometimes the plots aren't even that great, but it's just they all have their moments. They all have their their parts that you love or their characters that you love or the the killer is just so cool or funny or just looks so good that you know you get involved in it. That's what a slasher film is. That's what it was. When, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street started and what, when uh, Friday the 13th and Halloween and then you get into slumber party massacres and you've got sleepaway camps and, uh, you know, Maniac and just all these other ones that spawn so many, you know, the, the town that dreaded sundown, you get, they spawn all these and that's what this is. The horror genre is still going strong. The slasher genre is still going strong. Um, they, every now and then you get that one that catches fire, like a scream that kind of reboots it. And that's what starts this whole thing again, where you get a bunch of these straight to DVDs or, you know, low budget release movies in theaters that might not even might not be ones that make a lot of money in the theaters, but they get caught up and become cult classics on the, um, tape trading circuit or now the streaming circuit. And that's what a lot of these did. You know, even if they didn't blow it up at the box office, they become cult classics and you become, you start to like the the killers and the characters involved in it. And that's really what a slasher film is, is us liking the killer in it, wanting them to see the killer do what he does and kill and chase a protagonist and an antagonist the whole film. That's that's what it's all a slasher film is. So thank you all for uh, listening to my take on Halloween Kills and, you know, some underrated slasher films that I think you should check out. Halloween Pool uh, was a great month. I love this time of year. Again, I love doing this. This is the time I get to talk horror. Um, thank you all for listening. Thank you for liking. Uh, hit that subscribe button and leave me a comment. Leave me a review. It really helps the uh, podcast out. Follow me on Twitter at NerdPoolPod. I am on Instagram at NerdPoolPodcast. I am on Twitch at NerdPoolGaming. Um, thank you all. So until next time for all the chimichangas and tacos, the ghosts and goblins. Stay safe. Uh, make sure your candy is all checked out, you know, and pull all the Reese's out before you give it to your kids because, you know, Reese's are going to rot their teeth. So until next time, that's uh, Halloween Pool. See ya.